Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, executive coach and speaker, and I have a passion for helping people make positive, transformational changes to their businesses and themselves and break through roadblocks to live their best lives. Let's get to it. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Imperfection Wind Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm so excited about the show that we have planned for you today. My guest is Andrea Michelle. She is this just amazing woman. She's an intuitive, transformational coach, which you know is after my own heart, and purpose educator. She's a certified life coach, a certified NLP practitioner, speaker, and retired corporate controller. Wow, that that is a lot. So I am so happy to talk with her. And one of the things that she specializes in is helping women leaders discover their purpose and passion. So Andrea, happy, so happy to have you here. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. I'm so excited to be here. I'm I'm ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> So before we get started, will you just tell us a little bit about you? Um, so, I mean, you you kind of said it. I am an intuitive transformational coach. Well, you know what? The, the unconventional way that I typically like to introduce myself is that I'm a goddess um, <laughs> because I believe that I am God consciousness. I am a part of source. I am a part of all that is. But for those who can't quite wrap their head around being a goddess and all those things, <laughs> I am, uh, like you said before, again, I'm an intuitive transformational coach and I help women discover their purpose and their passion, find balance, connect with their identity so that they can create more happiness, fall in love with themselves, make more money and truly live an abundant life. Um, last year, June, I decided to retire from a successful career uh, in the corporate world, I was a corporate controller, which is an accountant for those of you who don't know, because people are like, what's a controller? It's it's an accountant. You just move up the ladder. Um, and I decided to retire from that so that I could actually uh, follow my own advice and pursue my own purpose and my passion. And June 12th made exactly a year. Uh, I've been married to the most amazing man for almost 13 years. And we have two beautiful children, Lauren who's 11, who wants to be a restaurateur, and then Gavin, who's nine, he doesn't know what he wants to be, but we don't care about that. And I mean, because who knows yeah. at nine? Who People don't even know at 18 what they want to be when they grow no, up. So we don't. No, or sometimes 40. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so so that's just a little bit about me. And obviously, as we, we talk more, I'll share a little bit more, yeah. but that's just very brief. Well, it's so fun to have you here. And I, um, I just, so first of all, I, tell quickly how you and I got acquainted because I think you know one of the things that I've spoken about recently is um, you know I've been on this podcasting journey really for about a year and a half now and it's interesting because I have always had sort of a love-hate with social media and so as I've put myself out there and gotten used to it um, I've realized that there really are some really lovely things about it. And one of them is being able to connect and meet people like you that I wouldn't normally come in contact with. So, um, you know, I think one of the things that I was really drawn to right away is just your content. There's such a, um, a level of compassion and grace, but also hard truth, which is really hopefully, you know, sort of what I strive for in my style. So I reached out to you and you graciously agreed to come on the show with me, which just really made my day, my week, my month. Um, but tell me, so how would you say that, you know, when you do your coaching and your content from that lens of compassion and grace, tell me just where did that start for you? So for a lot of people, when I think controller, I've been in HR for years, so um, in the corporate world also, but tell me, where does that compassion and grace come from you? What, what's it rooted in? You know what, it's rooted in a knowledge of myself, mm -hmm. you know, and I know some people may think, 
or we've been taught or we've been conditioned to believe that when we focus on ourselves, when we take time for ourselves to get to know ourselves, to fall in love with ourselves, then we're being selfish. And especially as as women, right? Because we're taught we're nurturers and we have to do all the things and take care of the kids and take care of our husbands and, and all of these things. And to me, that's a lie. We don't have to do all of these things. We can choose to do all of these things if we want to, but we don't have to do them. And so my compassion really truly does stem from a love of myself, not just my mm. compassion, but my empathy, my truth, my power, my confidence. It all stems from knowing exactly who I am, knowing exactly what it is that I want and knowing exactly what it is that I have to do to go after it. Now, that's not to say that I have everything planned out because I don't, but when you know exactly who you are, then everything else will fall in place. And that's why I teach women um, to really truly discover their purpose because I believe it was Nietzsche who said, when you know the why, your purpose, then the how is easy to endure. And so when you know why you exist, what you're doing here, then everything else that happens to you, it happens for a reason. And so I can speak uh, from a place of compassion and power and confidence because I know the things that I've been through, but I know that everything mm -hmm. that I have been through in my life has been to serve a greater purpose, which is a part of my soul's mission. Oh my gosh, I love that. And I know that storytelling for you is a big focus in your coaching and the way you work with women. And I'm so drawn to that just as a woman who has, you know, at the age, I'm almost 45. So it's taken me a long time to um, put together my story appreciate my story, and then actually start to use my story. And so, so much of your focus on that really struck me. So will you talk just a little bit about that component of, um, of your coaching? Yeah, so here's the, 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 the truth. If you don't tell people your story, if you don't tell people who you are, how will they know, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you don't, express yourself in the fullness of your being, then people won't know. And here's the truth of the matter. People will only treat you how you allow them to treat you. And so when they don't know your story, when they don't know your backdrop, when they don't know your frame of reference, then for the most part, anything goes. So it's important for, for me to show women, to help women, to empower women to tell their stories because a couple of things happen when you begin to tell your own story. Number one, you empower yourself because when you think about all of the things that you've gone through, all of the things that you've endured and all of your, your valleys and your peaks, when you think of all of that, you can sit back like, man, I'm a bad chick. Like, wow, <laughs> I really overcame that. So you empower yourself. And number two, you empower other people to tell their stories. I can't tell you how many people have, well, you, you can probably imagine, have come into my inbox on Facebook, on Instagram, and just tell me their stories. I mean, before COVID-19, people on the street would walk up to me and begin to talk to me, not because mm. I have verbally said anything, but because energetically I am who I am and I walk mm. in my own power. So it is so vitally important to tell your own story. And, and the last component of storytelling is that when you tell your story, you are teaching the future generation about their own past and you're helping them to live in the present so that they can create a greater future. Mm, powerful. So tell me, why do you think, or why do you know, I mean, I know you've worked with so many women on this. So why do we tend to minimize our own stories or sort of hide from them? You know what, because that's how we're conditioned. Mm. You, that's the, the the simplest answer and that's the truth. I mean, it's it's like, why is there so much oppression or self-hatred in the black community? Well, because that's how they're conditioned, right? Mm. Um, but so many of us are conditioned, especially in America to, um, to minimize our own story, right? What, what was, when I was growing up, my mother used to tell us be seen and, and not heard. And it's like, well, what? What even does that mean? Be seen and not heard? Like, like what? I mean, I'm a kid. What do I know? I mean, I understood what she was saying. You know, 
don't don't say anything. But when we express ourselves, even as a child, right? If something happens to us and we cry, our parents are like, oh, stop crying. It's not that serious. And, and so we're conditioned to believe that that number one, we don't matter. And if we believe that we don't matter, then naturally we're going to believe that our stories don't matter. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's so powerful. And, and so I'm curious when you work with women and they get to the point where they start to really own their story, what kind of freedom do you watch them experience on the other side of sharing when they finally get to the point where they are like owning it and they step out and share it oh my gosh you know what because everybody is like you know their own individual i've received i've I've witnessed the gamut of responses from full out breakdown tears of joy and happiness and freedom to just the quiet simple like finally, I can exhale. I mean, there is so much freedom when women begin to, because I work with women, when they begin to embrace their story, because part of telling your story, when you tell your story, you lose the judgment that you have of yourself. And that's the one thing that keeps a lot of women that, that holds a lot of women or people in general, even guys too, if, if, if we're honest, but I'm just speaking from my frame of reference because I work uh, with women, but that judgment of ourselves, right? Like we like to project it and say, we're afraid that other people are gonna judge us. But the truth of the matter is we judge ourselves more than we judge anybody else. And so when we begin to embrace our stories, we lose that judgment, we lose all of that, that criticism, and that's when we become empowered. And because again, like I said, everyone expresses themselves differently. Some people just have this full on crying on a coaching call for five, 10 minutes because they had this huge revelation. And some people just sit back silently. And as a coach, it is my job to facilitate whatever it is that they need. And so if they need to sit silently, I'm gonna sit with them. If they need to cry, I'm gonna encourage them like, yes, let it out. Tears are are cleansing for you. So, I mean, there's been so many different expressions of this, of, of empowerment. Gosh, those must be such powerful moments. I mean, I just think of my own, you know, journey as I was saying through this podcasting. And, you know, I've done, I also do coaching in it more in a corporate setting. Um, And I have so many times given people so much advice. I mean, that's kind of our job, right, as a coach. And really through this podcasting journey of, taking what I felt was a risk, putting myself out there, starting to really expose, you know, the whole brand imperfection wins is really being willing to step out and be vulnerable and say, I, I'm, I'm imperfect. Um, not shocking to anyone, <laughs> but it, it felt uncomfortable to sort of say like, I'm imperfect. And one of the things that happened for me over the last 18 months is that I've really started, I think, to peel my story back in little layers, like as I feel like as God exposes things to me, it's like, oh, okay, now I'm learning that about myself. And I never would have said, um, you know, outwardly, I think people probably think I'm confident and I have it all together. And, you know, perhaps I don't really have that um, complicated of a story, you know, but actually, what I realized is that I actually just really excelled at um, masking it and all of the things that I um, knew I excelled in, you know, talking to people, showing up in a corporate environment, doing my job well, hustling all the time. And I got a lot of validation from that. And so those other pieces of my story almost developed like some, some maybe shame or judgment, like you're saying around them. And so then I, I held them even deeper. And so through this whole journey and actually through talking with guests like you and just being willing to um, start to let some of those things go, I I feel exactly what you're saying. The judgment about yourself um, is really going away. And I hear from so many people that hearing my story or me being willing to stand up and go, I don't know, you know, I'm imperfect. Here are all the ways that I have made mistakes and had to change course and I'm still standing and I'm okay and I'm learning. 
is giving them the courage to try new things. And um, so I love your um, perspective on storytelling. And I we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, I want to talk specifically about um, one of the first posts I read from you when I started following you that really impacted me. Um, and it probably it has a little bit of storytelling woven into it. So let's take a quick break. Everyone, you are listening to the Imperfection Win Show on KKMW 1150, and we will be right back. All right, everyone, it's time for our second small business highlight. You know, this is a hard time for so many small local businesses, and now more than ever, they need our support. And one of my favorite places to hang out is Belden Cafe in Bellevue. Now, during normal times, I have most of my meetings outside of the office there. I do work there. I love to walk there with a friend and sit and enjoy their amazing coffee and food. But one of the reasons I love Belden so much is that they set themselves apart from other coffee shops by being incredibly community focused. The owner, Claire, has very intentionally partnered with several nonprofits. She creates special drinks for them and gives a portion of the proceeds to them. She promotes them on social media. She often donates pastries and financially to other nonprofits in the area. And recently, she actually started partnering with a local flower farmer whose business essentially stopped due to COVID-19. So Claire started bringing in the farmer's flowers and selling them on Fridays and Saturdays. They are so beautiful. She's selling out most weeks. And honestly, it's one of my favorite things to do during this quarantine is just go grab some flowers for loved ones and have a killer cup of coffee. Now I know in Seattle, you have choices when it comes to coffee, but please go give Belden a shot. You will not be disappointed. They're doing online ordering and curbside pickup right now. And I just know, you know, from the beautiful relaxed vibe in the store to the homemade nut milks and avocado toast, I know you'll love it. Just go check them out at BeldingCafe.com and swing by for an awesome cup of coffee and just a great community experience. Again, that's BeldingCafe.com. This show is sponsored by Urban Restoration, the Eastside's premier builder for remodeling new construction, and so much more. With over 20 years of experience, the team at Urban Restoration has built a foundation of integrity, trust, superior craftsmanship, and personal accountability to clients. Whether you're building a new home, doing a total home remodel, or even a small project, the experienced team at Urban Restoration will walk you through the process and leave you with the results you desire. Client satisfaction and relationships rule at Urban Restoration. If you are located on the Greater East Side and looking for a contractor you can trust, visit the Urban Restoration website at ur-build.com. That's the letter U, the letter R-build.com for contact information and to check out pictures of their amazing craftsmanship. Again, that's the letter U, the letter R-build.com for Urban Restoration. Okay, everyone, I want to talk about one of my favorite local small businesses, Plant Life Meals. Plant Life Meals serves fresh, never frozen, delicious, and ready-to-eat plant-based meals to our community. I've been ordering from them for about six weeks now, and I'm telling you, the food is great. And it's been so helpful for me to have a healthy, high-protein meal ready to go for lunch, or really any meal. My favorite has to be the lasagna, and those little protein bites are the perfect treat to keep my sweet tooth tamed. And did you know that eating more plant-based foods is one of the best ways we can have a positive impact on the environment? The owners, Liz and David, are building this business straight from their hearts and making a big impact on our community, one meal at a time. Please go check out plantlifemeals.com and try it out. You will feel great, not only about what you're putting in your body and how you're helping our community, but also what you're doing for our environment. So let's help this small business rise up during this time of struggle. Again, that's plantlifemeals.com. Hey everybody, it's me, Sam. Many of you know that one of my greatest joys in life is handing out small, perfectly imperfect wooden hearts. That's right. I said perfectly imperfect. 
These are the words that came to mind when I held one of these handmade hearts in my hand for the first time. These beautifully crafted, imperfect hearts are made by my friend Gary. Fate brought us together, and ordering hearts from him and giving them to anyone who needs one has been a joyful part of my journey. The hearts serve as a physical reminder that things don't need to be perfect to be meaningful. Check out my website, samwilling.com forward slash imperfect hearts for the whole heart story, to place an order, or make a donation. 100% of the proceeds go towards the mission. Don't forget, that's samwilling.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash 1150kknw. Welcome back to the Imperfection Wins Show. I'm your host, Sam Willing, and I'm here today with Andrea Michelle, talented coach, educator, and speaker. And we have just been having such a great conversation around storytelling. Um, you may notice, hopefully, that the audio is a little bit better now. We had a little bit of a we had a little bit of a glitch on my end, but remember, imperfection wins. So we're rolling with it. And hopefully it's much better. So Andrea, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here once again. Thank you. Um, and so I want to talk about something. We just talked about storytelling. And we are in such an important and turbulent time right now. Um, and you have put out some really amazing content. And I was drawn to it right away. And um First of all, I just want to say, you know, I, I've told over the last couple of shows, I've been very, very transparent um, with my own journey into anti-racism work and realized after some really deep um, soul searching that my part, because I kept thinking, you know, I, I always have been like, I love people, I love all people. I, you know, I don't have a racist bone in my body, which I know a lot of people say. And through this, I went through my own awakening where I suddenly was like, okay, they're saying everyone has a part. Like, what is my part? What's my part? That means I have one. What is it? And through, through that internal work and just reading and reading and thinking and praying, I realized my part was just silence. My part was being complicit and uneducated and realizing it was a big transformational point for me where I also realized that I actually had never even really held space for my Black friends, um, not consciously, but because their lives on the outside look like mine, yep. we live in the same neighborhoods, I just assumed that somehow they had escaped, yep. you know, this feeling. And so in all these years of friendship and I called them and apologized and just said, I'm just sorry. Like, I'm just sorry. And I'm committed to doing better. And the way that I need to start that is by taking radical responsibility and getting educated. Yep. And so I, I really dove into that. And one of the other things that came up for me is that I started looking at all of the aspects of my life and realizing, Oh yeah, my followers, they are, the majority of them are white women. They look like me. My guests, the majority of them have been white women, you know, some very few men, but a few white men um, and one black woman. And I started looking at who I was following. I'm like, oh, I mostly follow people that look like me. And so through that journey, I started really to just um, expand. And um, I'm saying that, you know, with a little bit of vulnerability, but it's just the truth of where I was. And so I started following you and immediately was so taken with your content. Um, and one of the first things that I read that I really, it struck me because it's very much um, how I coach and work with others, even in my HR space, which is, you know, I, the, the post, the end of the post said, let's not diminish anyone's role in the movement. Mm -hmm. And the post and the IGTV that was attached to it was about how we are all being called to some sort of action, but that it could can be all different action, right? That not okay. everyone is called to be on the front lines. And right. it, it struck me because over the last several weeks, um, through my own conversations, I've heard from so many 
people around me saying things like, I don't know where to start, or I'm not big on social media, so I'm, I'm not going to go out and start posting, or, you know, I, I'm not someone who feels comfortable at a march or whatever it is, mm-hmm. a lot of things. Like, and then I see it, it make them kind of small and lead to almost like a paralysis right. and then they do nothing. And then it, it's overwhelming. They're like, I can't watch the news. I can't, you know, and then we're right where we started. Right. Yep. Yep. (laughs) You, you, I don't need to tell you this. You've probably seen it forever. Right. So, but tell me about that post and that philosophy and what compelled you to put that out because it was a very, um, it had a lot of grace in it. Mm -hmm. So just, so just tell me about that. Yeah. So the, the post that you're referring to, um, was, uh, or the IGTV was everybody's not meant for the front lines. Um, and the reason why I decided to post that, um, that IGTV is because, you know, I was thinking about my own journey, you know, at the very beginning, you know, we talked about where does the compassion come from? Where does the grace come from? It comes from the compassion and the grace that I have for myself and everything mm-hmm. that I do. I am my best teacher, it, not just me, but I believe that we all are our best teachers and, and it's our responsibility to, um, you know, to really discover what, what our role is. So I was thinking about my life and the first time I was called um, the N word was in kindergarten and it was by Derek and I told the teachers, um, that he had called me that and they just kind of laughed at me and diminished it. And so of course that was beginning of this inferiority complex that began to develop in me. And then I got older, we went to some neighborhood schools, we went to some suburban schools. Um, and I spent 23 years of my life living in the suburbs around all white people in one of the most richest conservative places in the state. Um, and so I, I was dealt with, or I had you know, so much oppression Um, And I didn't even realize it until we actually moved from Waukesha to to where we are now. But I decided to do to talk about that because there was a point when I stood on the front lines fighting against racism myself. And the first time I stood on the front lines fighting against racism, I was filled with so much, so much anger because I had my own traumatic racial story. And so I took myself off the front lines of fighting against racism and I had to heal my own wounds. And so that's what I did. I began to, to heal myself. And as a result of that, that healing, I wanted to in some way give back. And so I decided to mentor a group of mostly white people. We would meet once a month and I created this safe place for them to come and ask all the questions and and talk about some of the things that they were afraid to openly talk about. Now, I wanna make one thing clear. In this space that I created, it wasn't like this, oh, you can get away with whatever you want to get away with. Like I had one woman ask, well, why can, you know, black people say the N word, but white people can't. And my response to her was, why do you care? And as a result of me asking her that question, she realized she was asking that question from a space of entitlement. And she felt that Mm -hmm. as a white woman, if black people can do it, then I should be able to do it too. And, and not only was it an eye opening experience for her, but it was an eye opening experience for just about every other white person in the room, because they began to ask themselves like, well, yeah, why do I want to do this just because black people are doing it right? And they realized that it was the superiority complex and it was a sense of entitlement. And so again, I, I healed myself. I began to mentor and then I came off of the front lines. And now those same people that I mentored actively today in this moment, they are the ones that are standing on the front lines. They are the ones who are uh, hosting protests and rallies and marching and all of those things. It is no longer my job to stand on the front lines because if we think about the military and it doesn't matter what country you look at, but let's look at the United States military, they have the front line soldiers and we need them to be savages ready to kill at a moment's notice, right? Because they need to protect us so that we can have freedom. But then they're also the cooks in the kitchen and they are just as important as the combat soldiers standing on the front line because if the soldiers don't eat, the soldiers can't protect. At the same time, we need to have an analyst who is going to give the soldiers their best opportunity 
uh, for victory to say, hey, we need you to be at this spot at this time because this is where you will provide the maximum damage, right? So everyone plays a role. When we think of war, everyone plays a role, but it is not everyone's responsibility or their role to be on the front line right mm -hmm. we need those frontline soldiers and again we need them to be savages ready to kill steal and destroy at a moment's notice but we also need the people in the back room and at the same time we need the power brokers and the money brokers to fund the war and the people who are funding this this war we need them as far away from the front line as possible because if we don't have that the funds then we won't win this battle so so again this telling this story about my life it stemmed from really understanding and, and, and paying attention to, to my own evolution in the process. And now those same people who I mentored who are now on the standing on the front lines, they are also mentoring people. And before we know it, they're going to come off of the front lines and the people who they mentored will then be on the front lines, their children, their aunts, their uncles. That's how it works. That's evolution. Nothing is, nothing is forever and we have to understand when it's our time to do something, then we prepare, we step up to the plate and do it. But equally important is to understand when it's our time to fall back. Like I knew that, okay, wait a minute. I, it, it's not my time. It's not my role or responsibility to stand on the front line anymore. It's my role and my response. I'm the general now, I'm the Colonel, I'm whatever. I am the commander in chief of this particular war and my particular sphere of influence. And so that is my role now. My role is no longer on the front line. Does that mean I'm not going to get involved in any protests or my, no, that's not what that means, but I'm not the one standing on the front lines. My role is much bigger than that right now. Oh my gosh. That's so powerful. I, I mean, so many things come to mind, but one, um, I really think it's amazing that you held that circle in that space to mentor people. And I, I mean, I just think that that is, that's amazing. And that you were able to plant some seeds that now, as you said, now they are the people standing on the front lines. And that just shows to me, it's just such a tangible example of, you know, planting seeds. And then, like you said, knowing when to release, right. And allowing others to take over and take on. And I think one of the things that I feel so strongly now through all of this is, like I said, it's the year of radical responsibility of, you know, looking at your part and taking responsibility for your part, but then also looking at what you can do. So each one of us are unique. And so for me, I, as I started to, you know, I went through this range of like, like seeking and then oh my gosh, clarity around my role. Hello. And then it was like, okay, now what am I going to do? Like, what are my actions going to be? And so, you know, for me, it started and it, and continues with education of, in my own home, you know, education of myself, education of my children, my husband, and we're digging into that. Um, and then also, sending that education out to my friends that are also struggling and scratching their heads and going, what do I do? Where do I start? And one of the things that, you know, also came to me was just, we're each unique and we've each been given some gifts. And one of the gifts I've been given is this platform. And so for me, um, it was a, an instant, I was talking a couple of shows ago, I was prepping for a show and I was talking to my upcoming guest who was this fabulous coach, white woman. She's amazing. And we were, we'd been planning to have a show for months. I had all four shows lined up and her, we're talking and we were supposed to talk about burnout. And she goes, you know, it feels like such an awkward time to be a guest. And I said, I know, because really, it seems like we really should only be talking about racism and neither one of us are equipped to lead that discussion, right? So what do we do now? And I said, you know, how would you feel if you came next season? And I just feel I have, you know, I'm going to do four shows um, to wrap up this season. I have four left. I think I, I just am feeling called to cancel every single one of them and intentionally elevate, you know, female black leaders. And 
I don't know who those women will be, <laughs> but I, but my heart, my heart is telling me that is what it's time to do. And so that sort of was, you know, I, I just sort of prayed about it. Every single one of the women were like, thank you for doing this. This is, you know, the, the guests, no problem with canceling. It's the right thing. And every week I've been like, okay, God, who's my guest going to be? Like, I, <laughs> you're going to show me because I don't, I'm kind of ill-equipped right here. And every week it has been amazing. And so, um, I think my point is, and I think part of the reason I was so struck by that post is that you really were inviting everyone to participate. And I think sometimes we, um, are holding back from participating in things that are really important. And so your point, because we start to minimize our own role, it's like, well, yeah. I can't do that. I don't do that. And I'm not as strong as her and I don't have a story right. or whatever it is. And so your point of like, we all can do something and really encouraging people to look at their life in reality yeah. and take in understanding their part and then really putting some action around it in a way that is authentic to them. And like you said, that evolves right? Yeah. Like as we evolve, I never would have said two years ago that I would have been all over social media or, or hosting a podcast. Right. 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 <laughs> so I just really, um, it just really struck me. And I hope everyone listening hears that and really does take some time to think about, you know, what they can do. And the point is, is that it's going to take all of us it's collective right i mean it, it and that's that's the truth of the matter like everyone really truly does play play a role in 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 where we are now and 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 not even just where we are now with this i i call what we're going through now this um beautiful violent eruption it's beautiful in that now finally black voices are finally being heard. I mean, you turn turn on Netflix, now they have like a whole section for like black movies. I'm like, Netflix, it's been here all the time. We have we've been asking you for this and now now the white folks is involved. Now y'all going to do it, but <laughs> but 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 that's the point though is that Black people are now, I believe the number was 13 for a long time, and now I think they're 16% of the U.S. population. So even if every Black person band together to ask for change, it, that's still not enough. We need everybody. And not only that, if we say that we are human beings and when I cut myself, I bleed red. And when you cut yourself, you bleed red. And for the most part, we all have the exact same organs and, and science has already shown us that uh, with, with DNA and genomes and all of that, there's a possibility that my, my DNA and genomes and all of that are, could be closer to a Japanese person's G DNA and genomes than my own brother, right? The point is that we are all one ultimately we are all one and so if we we believe in love and if we say we believe in god who is source energy universe whatever you want to call it then how can you sit silently while this is happening it's been happening and not say anything and still be and and I, and this is not to cast judgment but how can you say that you believe in love and all that entails, but yet since silent when your brothers and your sisters have been screaming and crying out for years. So mm -hmm. everyone without a doubt has a role to play and it's their responsibility to find out what that role is. Yes, I, I love that. And I think it really, one of the things that I talk so much about on the show is compassion and how compassion is different than sympathy and empathy because it's action oriented. Yep. And so really, I mean, it, it's one of the things that has been on repeat in my head through this is I don't know, I mean, this is maybe the most pivotal time yep. that I've ever lived through, right? I and agree. we have an opportunity to show up, not just with sympathy and empathy, because feelings are actually not going to create change, right. but we need the compassion and it has to be action oriented. We have to do something. And I think 
you know, humanity depends on it. And I look at, you know, I think when you look at it from that lens of just the human being lens, and if you're willing to look at the suffering that's happening in the world, you, your heart starts to soften, but you have to be willing to look. Right. And, and that's, that's part of the challenge is that not many people are, are willing to look, but, but here's the kicker though. People aren't willing to look because they're afraid of what they're going to see in someone else. Mm -hmm. People are afraid to look because they're afraid of what they're going to see in themselves. Yes. Right. People are afraid to, especially as this particular movement is concerned, people are afraid to stop and, and reflect because they're afraid that, oh my gosh, they're going to discover I am racist. Mm -hmm. Right. And the thing about it is, is that there's nothing wrong. I've, 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 like I said, I've mentored a lot of people and I've had so many people admit to me that they're racist and, and I don't judge them for it. I don't talk about them. I don't say get out of my face because you were conditioned that way. Cause the truth of the matter is all of us were indoctrinated in whiteness. That's mm -hmm. just a fact. We were all indoctrinated in whiteness, plain and simple. So this is what I was explaining to, to one of my clients who is a highly successful therapist and she works with, with clients and she had a client who, who was openly racist. The, he said, if he could own slaves, he would. And how I helped her to understand that was this way. I said, if a person were poor, would you be upset with them, mad at them because they were poor? And she's like, no, I said, because they're for the most part, a product of their own environment. She's like, right. I said, well, it's the same thing with racist people. They are products of their own environment. And it's the same thing with black people who hate other black people. They are products of their own environment. Same thing with Mexicans that hate other Mexicans. We are all products of our own environment. And so it behooves each and every one of us to do some sort, take some sort of inventory of, of where we are in life, not just mentally, not just spiritually, not just emotionally, but also physically and understand, you know what? And say, I am racist because this is the environment that I grew up in, but I am making the choice today, right now, not to be racist anymore. Mm -hmm. You had a quote also that you posted that in, and the quote was, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm proud that I'm not where I used to be. Exactly. And I love that, right? Because that's what you're saying. It's like, look, we've all, we're all products of our environment. We all have things about us. We also can all get better all the time. And I think that statement, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm proud that I'm not where I used to be. It's beautiful because it actually allows for the imperfection. It allows, you know, it allows me to yeah. go, you know, I mean, I wish that I could flip a switch and know everything right that I need to know right like about this and then I've also read some things that it's like white people this is a marathon right like we need you for the long haul we don't yes. need you to get burnt out by right. like, you know hit, hitting it hard for a month and then you know being like I'm imploding I can't so I think that that statement really allows really in all aspects of life right like it allows for your imperfection but recognizing that you still have value and can add value along the way and you can always pivot and change. Um, so again, it just for me goes back to in your work and everything that I see from you in your IGTV and the posts that you put out, there is truthfulness and a call to action. And there's also such a beautiful level of grace and I just really, I think it's really amazing. So thank you for that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, it's really beautiful. I um, And I know, you know, I want to make sure that we have time for you to talk about the different ways that you work with people. But before we do that, I just wanted to touch on, because I want everyone to go and look at this. You, for the last week, have been doing a series on reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, um, 
I don't know if it's something you normally talk about as part of your coaching process or if it is specific to the time that we're in, but I was wondering if you could just quickly talk about what led you to start really focusing on that. And then I hope everyone goes and looks at that content because it really is powerful. Oh, well, thank you so much. So every week I actually have a singular focus. So last week was reconciliation. Um, this week I'm talking about inner child work. Next week I'm talking about shadow work. Um, in the past, I've talked about self-sabotage, negative self-talk, limiting beliefs, manifestation. So every week there's a specific um, focus. Oh, talked about historical and generational trauma, intergenerational trauma. Uh, and so what led me to talk about reconciliation uh, last week was because I had been talking about, you know, forgiveness and self-sabotage and all of these different things that that really um, is is inward focus, right? It's singular. It's I look at me, I look at me. But when you think about reconciliation, in order for reconciliation to be successful, it needs two elements, right? It needs, you need to have one thing and compare it to the other. And so when it comes to like reconciling relationships, you can forgive a person, but if, if both parties aren't willing to make good or change the state, then there's no reconciliation. Or let's say you get into it with someone and that person dies. Well, there's no reconciliation that needs to happen. And so I just wanted to put that particular topic out there so that people can begin to think of themselves in relationship to other people. And then not only just in relation to other people, but also uh, in relation to where they are, you know, reconciling the self with the shadow self, reconciling the personality with the soul, reconciling, you know, all of these things that the, the duality that exists, because at the end of the day, as I said before, we are one, everything is one. We all come from the same source. And so it behooves us to reconcile every area of our lives so that we can truly begin to stand in our power, walk in our purpose, and really truly proclaim that we are goddesses and gods and God consciousness. Mm -hmm. I love that. I loved the focus on reconciliation because you really, um, it's very tangible. Like a lot of the content that you put out, it, it really is almost, you almost feel like you're going through your coaching exercises, which is a perfect segue. I would love it if you would just give our listeners a rundown on the ways that you work with people um, and how they can work with you. Yeah. So I um, have multiple ways for people to work with me. But before I, I share those ways, I want to say this. So I mentioned, you know, talking about evolution and how all of us evolve. And so we change. And I'm not the same person I was when I first retired June 12th of 2019. I'm, I'm a completely different person. And as a result of my evolution, my business and the structure and everything in my business also evolves. And so I recently took all of my group coaching programs. So you can work with me one-on-one -on -one privately. Um, and my one of my courses is 90 Days to Find Your Bliss. And then I have a six-month bliss mentorship. And then I have a 12-month mastermind. Um, but I recently, because of my own evolution and my own growth, I made the conscious decision to take all of my products offline to basically amplify them to give my customers and my clients the very best of me. Now, I know some people in the business world will say, oh, that's stupid. You need to put it out there and all of that. But it, as a person who is is a woman of integrity and not from a moral or ethical sense, which I am moral and ethical, but from a mathematical sense, which integral means whole from a wholeness perspective. I couldn't uh, in good faith, just leave my programs out there knowing that I wanted to amplify them. So I took all of them offline. They won't be available uh, until October 1st, but I do have two programs um, in which people can work with me. And the first one is a course. It's called A Journey into Purpose Consciousness, which will be launching on July 6th because I also took that offline. But th this program, I think, is so important for those who are just beginning their journey of awareness and truly understanding and, and, and actually finally asking themselves, like, 
like, who am I? And, and what are some of the things that I want? And so I'm amplifying this course and I'm going to be relaunching it on July 6th. Again, it's called the journey into purpose consciousness. And, and it explores, there's four steps to this program. The first step is awareness, this awareness that, that everything is one, that you are God consciousness, that you are powerful. The second step is creation. And that is really owning your identity. Who, who exactly am I in relation to this? Everything is one. And this third step is transformation. And this focuses on the behavior. Okay. If I say that I am this person, then my behavior should align with who I say I am, because we will always only ever do the behavior whoever it is, we believe the identity we believe that we are. And so step three focuses on the transformation. And the last step is, um, the last step focuses on the acceptance or completion of, of our journey. So that's one way people can, and there's a wait list. And I guess I can share the link with that, um, to that course with you. Uh, and then I have a health consciousness collective membership. So that course, and then the membership. That's so fantastic. And so are you still, do you still work with people one-on-one -on -one if they wanted just to have coaching sessions with you? Thank you. I forgot all about that. I'm so <laughs> glad you brought that. Yes, I actually have okay. three one-on-one -on -one spots available now. I only okay. take a certain number of people. So yes, people can work with me privately. I have three spots available. Um, I won't have, and, and that then it'll be closed until January of 2021. Thank you, Sam, for asking me about that. You're question. so, you're so welcome and we'll make sure to put it on the website. Okay. Um, and I, and then, but will you also tell people how they can find you and connect with you on social media? Yes. Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram and that is Andrea Michelle consulting. I also have a Facebook page. Um, but yes, I'm most active on Instagram. So just follow me there. You'll find everything, all the information there on Instagram. Yes, and such fabulous content. I go follow. It's educational. It's compassionate. It will push you to really think about yourself. And um, I just think the work you're doing is so beautiful and wonderful. And it's really close to my own heart. I feel like oh, there's so many things um, that in our stories that are uh, are parallel. Um, so before we go off the air, what do you want people to know right now? How do we move the needle towards love? Uh, the way to move the needle towards a collective love is to first start with loving yourself. Mm. Be selfish with your time. Be selfish with your emotions. Be selfish with, with discovering your purpose. You can only give what you have. You cannot pour from an empty cup. And mm. so if we want to be this collective that focuses on love, it is vitally important that we first love ourselves. And when we love ourselves, then we can live according to the golden rule, do unto others as you would have done unto you. Amen. That is a perfect thing to end on. Thank you so much for being here today. It has been my pleasure. I've learned, I've loved the conversation. I know it's going to impact people. And everyone, that is a wrap for today. I hope it gave you some great food for thought. Please go follow Andrea, or Andrea, sorry, and consider working with her if you wanna do some deep internal work towards finding your purpose and your story. And join me next week when I'll have another guest on. It's going to be a fun surprise for all of us. And until then, be kind, have courage, and give yourself and others grace. Have a great Monday, everyone.